fellow travellers, and welcome to podcast 116 in our series You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb, and me, Simon Calder, and today we're discussing the best airports to be stranded in, taking a leaf, of course, out of the government's book, and putting a relentlessly optimistic spin on a rather unpromising situation. We haven't, by the way, forgotten the promised topic of psychogeography. It will happen, but not today. But let's start with a few listeners' responses to your report last week on the great €9 German railway deal. If you weren't listening, or you've simply forgotten, or weren't paying attention, let me just (laughs) remind you, this is the best railway deal in history. For €9, that's about £7.70, you get to travel anywhere you want to, in Germany, not just on the trains, all but the fastest expresses, uh, but also on the trams, on the S-Bahn, on the U-Bahn, and even a few little river ferries in the uh, Hamburg area. It's an astonishing deal. That's for the entire month of June, and it's going to be repeated in July and August. Well, Mark Williams um, tweeted, thanks for alerting me to the €9 deal. That's June's travel plans sorted. But actually, a lot of people uh, commented on uh, uh, just one small part of your great journey, which was the dangling tram of Wuppertal. And uh, (laughs) Denise, for example, told us, it's brilliant. A few years ago, we spent part of a day just riding it from end to end and back again. And it's an easy day trip from Cologne. Kevin Morgan um, cast doubt, actually, um, on whether... (laughs) On your actually having done it. And um, Denise Tross has a word of warning and a question for you. Have you been on it, Simon? And definitely not recommended for travel sickness sufferers. Well, you have been on I it. I have did been go on, on it, it and you? it is uh, the most magnificent piece of urban transport because you've got the Wuppa Valley um, in the Ruhr area. It's very narrow, it's very tight. All they could do was build their public transport main artery over the river and you do that by a whole series of arches from which you have a couple of bars and from which you dangle these trams. It's been going for 120 years. It's a a miracle of engineering and it's uh, of course a great tourist attraction because it's it's the closest that any public transport is ever going to get to a theme park roller coaster which um, (laughs) uh, slightly... um, uh, uh, explains why if, if you are prone to travel sickness you might not uh, want to be on it but it's so exciting because it, it, every time you go around a bend and there's many of them it kind of goes, swings off to one side and then the <laughs> other uh, so if you've watched Top Gun Maverick and I have um, it's the kind of public transport version of that where Rebecca Halpern says she would love to go on the Schweberbahn which is uh, the uh, proper name for the uh, uh, dangling tram of Wuppertal. While um, somebody who tweets as HRH, Stuart Thorburn, says it's the cleanest tram I've ever been on. (laughs) While Rob Smith challenges you to now do the Bielefeld. Well, I've looked up the Bielefeld tram and what's different about it, I think, is that it is a metre gauge light railway. Um, that means uh, it's a lot narrower than the average uh, tram. I mean, most things are still built to the, uh, 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 the George Stevenson's um, 
standard uh, rail width, but not in Bielefeld, which is halfway between Dortmund and uh, Hanover in the, that part of Germany that nobody ever seems to go to. Um, but it uh, looks a, a wonderful thing. And uh, if you want to have a little dangling tram, but without going all the way to Wuppertal, just change planes at Dusseldorf because there between the uh, main railway station and the airport terminal is a dangling tram as an homage to Wuppertal. Well I think cities with trams um, actually gain at least three extra stars in my book. Uh, for example, uh, Turin, a wonderful oh, city yes. of trams. Yes, um, um, Lisbon, uh, of course, where the number 28 is not just the most beautiful antique that serves a very useful purpose, but it's also the place where all the robbers in Europe converge to um, steal stuff from tourists. <laughs> um, you've, you've got uh, the spectacular tram of Blackpool, of course, which is the one tram if I'm not mistaken, that kept running all the time in the UK after they were kind of all ripped up in the 1960s. Um, and Germany has got far more trams than we have. The other great place for trams is Melbourne in Australia, where it is absolutely rock-solid urban transport. And uh, before we uh, leave uh, trams, and in particular um, Bielefeld, uh, I'd just like to mention something I've discovered about it, which is um, that, um, as you suggested, not many people, not many tourists maybe visit it. But actually, um, there is a theory that it doesn't exist at all. Um, the Bielefeld conspiracy, and this is a German joke. Don't laugh. Uh, and the joke seems to be that people refuse to believe that Bielefeld exists so if you say um, uh, I know someone from Bielefeld they will say no you can't possibly because it doesn't exist but I think it's supposed to be a satire on conspiracy theories but maybe I'm wrong so if anyone's got any other theories about why it might be called the Bielefeld conspiracy then do let us know. Well um, I'm, I'm thinking uh, because I, I'm, I, I have a kind of um, uh, photographic memory for one very specific topic and this is uh, the vehicle registration plates of Germany because they tell you where the car is registered oh. so and, and Bielefeld from memory is BI and I know that because I spent quite a lot of time hitchhiking through Germany and so you know um, that, that well during the Cold War of course when it was East Berlin um, you would you would be coming out of um, West Berlin and you had to hitch at the frontier and you would just kind of pick out the cars there's one going to uh, Dusseldorf there's one going to Munich oh, yeah, there's yeah. one going to Hamburg um, so Bielefeld cars presumably don't exist even though they have um, uh, that they appear to and I don't don't know if I ever got a lift in one ah because if you had then yeah. we would be able to nail this but yes as you haven't it's still up in the air I think a bit like the old uh, the old dangling tram. But, uh... <laughs> Very good. Mick's here all week, uh, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, here is, um, is Mick's kitchen. If you're hearing noises in the background, um, well, we are uh, sitting here with the door open. It's a bright, sunny afternoon. And what's that, what's that thing making the noise? It's shells and uh, yeah. a sound sculpture, I'm going to call it. Well, yes, it's a souvenir, one which I forgot to uh, mention during our podcast on my favourite souvenirs. It was, um, it was made for us by someone in a village 
whose name now escapes me, somewhere near Tulum <clears throat> in, uh, in the Yucatan in Mexico. And it's, uh, it's uh, what would you call it? It's a kind of mobile with um, uh, sort of strands of, um, of different uh, shells hanging down. Of different diameters, I presume, each generating a slightly different tone. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ascribe it to mystical Mayan powers, um, ah. which, which have come to rest in, in London SW16 as, I think, a British Airways Airbus A320 soars overhead. <laughs> right. Well, this is the summer, obviously, for putting a positive spin on everything, including if you're the Prime Minister and you narrowly survive a, a no-confidence vote, um, whereas... Some uh, leaders would have thought, OK, well, the game's up, I'm going. Not Boris Johnson. He uh, and his um, uh, cheerleaders um, came out and said this was the best possible result and uh, uh, all was good with the world. So with that thought, we thought we would put a positive spin on being stuck at <laughs> airports, which more people than ever this summer will experience this and so i've been uh, asking people uh, which is the best airport you've ever been stuck in and i know the answer to my to this for myself because i've been to ulan uday in southern siberia with a 17 hour delay on the flight to um vladivostok and they have for specifically for this purpose an enormous permanent dormitory complete with beds and bedding and you just sort of sit there during the day and you wait and uh, and and somebody goes out and gets some beer from a nearby shop and you bring it back and everyone and, and it was a very very civilized way to spend a number of hours well simon mitchell um responded to to your experience with the following tweet i've spent a night in a few airports in my time but never come across one of those I've been too busy looking for the gold dust that is a row of chairs that doesn't have an armrest in the middle. They do exist. I've seen them. Yes. Uh, well, the, the ingredients for a good airport stay are that you want um, a, a comfortable uh, uh, set of chairs. You don't want any of those armrests. And I think they are deliberately put in by the designers in order to deter sleepers. Um, and you... Also want somewhere quiet. I once tried to sleep in the chapel at Manchester Airport, which is certainly very quiet, <laughs> until about 5.30 in the morning when a security guard doing the rounds um, comes in and throws you out, since he knows perfectly well what's been there, uh, uh, that, that you've just been there um, trying to get some kip. <laughs> well, of course, it, it, um, it can get better than that. Um, Joanna, who tweets as the world in my pocket, says, I was stuck for a day at Toronto Pearson Airport because they oversold the flight. And what I loved was that they had iPads on each table at every gate, plus free Wi-Fi. You could order food directly through the iPad from any of the restaurants in the terminal. What a very civilised thing. And I presume, Joanna, you did exactly that because you presumably have been awarded, and I can't remember what the stipulated overbooking uh, uh, payment is in Canada, but I'm pretty sure it's somewhere north of £500. Ah, oh, wow. And so you could afford to order from 
each of the restaurants in, in the terminal. Um, but I, I think the clear, clear winner in terms of sheer civilization and opportunities is Singapore, nominated by a good few people, including Susie Susie, who reminds us that there is a swimming pool on the roof, there's a spa, there's beds, um, there's a cinema, there's a butterfly house, and I seem to recall there's even a waterfall. And what's absolutely best, and this is if you've got a legal but long connection, so maybe you arrive at uh, eight o'clock in the morning, you've got a flight at four in the afternoon, um, and let's hope that this has come back after COVID, they will actually take you on a sightseeing tour of the city. Yes, completely free. They will check you out through passport control. They'll put you on a bus. They'll take you into the centre. They'll show you the Singapore River. They'll drive you around. They'll show you the sights, and they'll bring you back in time for your flight, which is a magnificent thing. Well, actually, Cruise Fan 1, in fact, bears that out. Singapore, without a doubt, even took us on a two-hour free tour of the city ah. as we had so long between flights. Well, very, very good. Yes, it is, it is a very, uh, very civilised um, place to be stuck. Well, I think the, um, the best that most of us can possibly aspire to in most of the airports we go to, particularly uh, UK ones, I'm sorry to say, is... Um, is to uh, manage to get into the executive lounge by fair means or foul. And that, of course, <laughs> is, uh, that really is, uh, that is the height of luxury. And um, Bernard Lewis um, nominates Munich Airport because he was there for a while because a flight was delayed by snow and they were given access to an executive lounge. Ah, very good. Now, this, this is varies from one place to another, I find. Um, if there's just sort of one of two of you and you've been messed around by the airport and you've got to wait, by the airline and you've got to wait a few hours, it's worth asking for them. Um, but the other great thing about Munich is I would be perfectly happy not in the executive lounge because it is the only airport in the world, as far as I know, with a microbrewery in <laughs> Terminal 2. Yes, airside. And uh, I... it's, 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 it's not just very good beer, it's also extraordinarily well priced for an airport. So I would, uh, I would urge you to, uh, to try that next time you're in, in Munich, um, delayed or not. Well, of course, where else, really, um, would you find a brewery in the airport um, but Munich? Um, now, I suppose the degree to which um, hassles and delay is quite a big one are, um, are sympathetically dealt with is quite an important factor in deciding whether an airport can make it onto our list. And um, Anne Lander uh, nominates uh, Schiphol, uh, Amsterdam's airport, because in 2013, her hand luggage was stolen. Well, she's not nominating it for that, obviously, because that's not good at all. But uh, included her passport, all her money, and it, this happened on a Saturday. And um, she had to wait until the Monday to get an emergency passport to fly home. So she actually had to sleep in the airport. But they gave her food, drink, vouchers, towels, shower, reclining seat and a return train ticket to get back to Amsterdam to the consulate. Uh, she does note Foreign and Commonwealth Office no help at all. 
Oh, and I'm so sorry. And just a quick reminder that as with any international transport terminal of any kind, please don't ever take your eye off your belongings in an airport. You might be thinking, oh, everyone's been checked. They are dens of thieves, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm so sorry that Anne found that out. And well, maybe maybe times change because in the 90s, if anyone can remember that far back, I had my passport stolen in Barcelona uh, on the train into town as it happens and they actually let me board the flight back to the UK um, after making a phone call to the passport control who just sort of took a look at me I think they had a look at my driving license and, and let me in without a fuss um, but I guess this is so this happens so often and I'm just guessing here and that there is a protocol for looking after people because so many people get their stuff nicked at Skipper and that, that, that um, oh. <laughs> comes into play. Yes, I suppose so, yeah. Rebecca Halpern, um, again, has an entirely positive story um, and this is about Madrid Airport. When our children were small, we were stuck in Madrid Airport for hours. Most child-friendly airport I've ever seen. <sighs> Soft play centre, toys... Free staff nursery, even what? beds and baby baths if needed. <laughs> well, look, this is this is remarkable. Um, I will say, and I don't know how long ago Rebecca's children were young, but Terminal Four at Madrid Airport is about the most vile terminal I have ever seen. <laughs> Not least because it's. Um, it just it, it, its dimensions are vast, and if you're changing planes there, you can absolutely guarantee that either your flight is coming yeah. into Terminal Four S, or that's where uh, your connecting flight is going from. It's going to take you days to get there via various shuttles. It's going to be absolute misery. And the old bit, Terminals One, Two, and Three. I mean, that's not uh, that, that's got the feeling of the '60s about it. So maybe, maybe Rebecca tracked something down. I'm very impressed. Anyway, I'm delighted to hear it. We also got a Spanish shout out from Amar Kapoor, who said Barcelona because you can enter airside well in advance of your flight, and Madrid, and then Lima as well, because you get lovely local food within a few minutes walk of the airports. Okay, I can pick up on this uh, from Amar, and thank you for this. Yeah, Barcelona is is very very pleasant terminal to be in. I would put it alongside maybe uh, Oslo, which is also a splendid place with um, plenty of air and reasonable places to eat and drink and uh, fantastic Wi-Fi, which is I think he says <laughs> all we want. Um, in terms of places to eat, uh, this is a kind of subcategory which are within easy access. Now, I've been in Madrid, and I know the village of Barajas, after which the airport is named. Not sure that a few minutes' walk sums it up. I remember clambering across barbed wire fences and through car parks to get to Barajas, but it was worth it for the brilliant Restaurante Humbo, the jumbo restaurant, where you do get jumbo helpings. Um, well, in those days, you were looking at the jumbo jets taking off. Uh, don't know about Lima. You and I have been there. I mean, Lima Airport is um, <laughs> quite, a, quite a tricky old place. I didn't, don't remember that we wandered outside, but we're very, very happy to hear your recommendations for airports where you can just nip out and find some proper food. I find that Greek island airports tend to be great because there's always immediately outside the terminal some little diverna where you can um, get a very nice uh, meal before your flight home. Well that is nice and it is noteworthy that very few UK airports have um, 
have made it into uh, your recommendations. Um, John um, Peasing says um, London City question mark alongside the newer terminal at Munich mm-hmm. and David Lloyd says Exeter small and well managed. Well I think my appetite for adventure in Exeter airport would be um, uh, largely unsatisfied if I had to spend a long time there although uh, given its location um, yeah you, you can uh, come out of the airport oh, I can't remember which way you go but you, you're, it's not long before you're in a proper village with a proper pub and so on so I would recommend that um, Sue Butcher recalls being in, stuck in Atlanta airport in the 1990s after it was built for the Olympics which when were they hosted there I think it must be 1996 uh, 96 it was well yes right. um, but before they'd happened the concourse was so long there was a train and it was deserted well it's not deserted anymore uh, along with Chicago O'Hare the busiest airport in the world that's the uh, hub for Delta Airlines isn't it it is Atlanta. yes yeah. well I actually spent a very long time there a few years ago and I must say I rather enjoyed it um, uh, it wasn't deserted as you say but it was so big um, and there were so many um sort of branches to it, as it were, that it what you could actually go and visit um, different... Uh, well, it was, it was like going to um, v- very different districts of a city. Oh, uh, I, I that, found what a it, nice idea. I found it really quite interesting. And, it, and I don't think... It wasn't just the same old um, bars and, um, and chain restaurants repeated. There were um, even some different ones, different... Types, types of hamburger, obviously. Well, uh, and a shout out for Miami Airport, which from many points of view is pretty grim, but it does have a fantastic Cuban restaurant. And I think that's landside, not airside. So uh, uh, w- w- worth, um, worth checking that out. Um, Travel Obscura uh, has been to, and I'm going to have a run at this, Kangalusak in Greenland. <laughs> um, this is the main airport. It's a kind of old uh, NATO base. Uh, went musk ox spotting during an <laughs> unscheduled five-hour wait. And I can only imagine, Travel Obscura, that you kind of landed there. It's on a direct line, if I'm not mistaken, between London and Los Angeles. Admittedly, there was nothing else to do apart from that. Well, there is a restaurant actually quite close by, which is the most expensive restaurant and probably the worst restaurant you could ever go to. I spent a night and a day in Kangalusak. There we are. But you didn't go musk ox spotting. Uh, I didn't go musk ox spotting, but I did, um, for an inordinate number of pounds, get taken out to the um, uh, the, the edge of the Greenland ice sheet. Ah. So sometimes these uh, these delays can bring unexpected delights. Um, yes. Kieran goes quite minimalist with the old San Javier airport in Murcia, just a shed but in and out of it in record quick time. I mean, that's a bit off the point of being delayed. Well, Susanna um, um, picks up on um, Kieran's uh, shed and uh, says that uh, 
the airport actually also has the best little independent <laughs> shoe shop. <laughs> which, <laughs> which but, <laughs> but we, we've had very few uh, nominations of Indian airports, which doesn't really surprise me. But Tim Coxon says Cochin in Kerala is a decent, if somewhat small, airport. And if the signage is to be believed, it's the first airport entirely powered with renewable energy. And by the way, there's also, and this is me speaking here, a fantastic um, rapid transit uh, rail link out there, but sadly not a dangling tram. <laughs> well, staying in Asia, MacJelly66 said, best airport ever visited, Koh Samui. Ah. But then I wasn't stuck there. And actually, um, Tamario says, my favourite airport as well. And Rebecca Halpern, who's been very busy this week, says, yes, that's such a unique little airport. Didn't even feel like an airport. Have you been there? Uh, I haven't, I'm afraid. I've been to a beautiful Kosamui, but I went in and out on the boat. New Frontier is a supporter of Wonju in Korea. We were the only foreigners... And the only people there, greeted by the manager from uh, Korean Air, who was curious why we flew to from there, because uh, presumably thousands don't, and treated us amazingly well. We flew there to go to the uh, Winter Olympics. And Bell says Dublin was quite cool. There was a piano and people played and sang non-stop. Very civilised. Several people are, are impressed by the entertainment or, um, or crack at various um, airports. Roy Smith, for example, tweets about the Grand Canyon Bar 10. That's an airport, by the way. <laughs> right. Our return flight to Las Vegas was delayed for several hours. As we were the only passengers, uh, they decided we might enjoy more time than scheduled. The hospitality was fantastic. Well, I wonder what the hospitality was like at ABBA Airport, A-B-H-A, nothing to do with the well-known Swedish group. This is in Saudi Arabia, where Hurley Hawkin has fond memories of spending 24 hours, presumably without a drink. And in the same part of the world, Chris <laughs> spent an overnight in Abu Dhabi. It was a long 13 hours. Chris, I don't understand this, because... The Premier Inn at Abu Dhabi Airport, which last time I was there cost about 50 quid for the night, is magnificent and actually my chosen place to stay whenever I'm in Abu Dhabi because it's a, a cheap and easy taxi ride into town. <laughs> there were a few um, references to worst uh, experiences, although they weren't on our um, glass half, three quarters full, um, completely full agenda. And Phil says, um, I can say... The worst, stuck for several hours at Ronald's Way, Isle of Man. The duty-free was a few very dusty bottles of whiskey stuck on a wooden shelf and the cafe was closed. <laughs> but maybe, maybe an airport delay is merely a matter of your state of mind. Here's Hail Hail PLC, Vavua Airport, an outer-lying airport in Tonga, in the South Pacific, of course. Miss the Saturday afternoon flight? No worries. Get one on Monday. <laughs> and Be Positive says, Mine has to be Lanzarote Airport, as I'm always sad to be leaving the island I like to visit as often as I can. So therefore, being delayed there is a good thing, I presume. Yes, and I'm trying to remember it, and I can't, forgive me, if there's any decent bars outside, but this being Spain, I'm sure there is. We got a couple of lovely stories. Um, so, so here's one. I got stuck at, not in, Cherbourg Airport when storms stopped the small plane from Guernsey landing. I 
asked the guy for a change so I could call a taxi. He said, Monsieur, je suis un taxi. <laughs> Took me to his mum's wonderful B&B, found out he was known as Monsieur le taxi locally. And Judith Stephen tells us, the bar in the tiny Santa Fe airport in 1986, I think, sat eating a club sandwich, watching the small jets. Then a huge RAF plane landed and one passenger got off. Gee, that must be some big wig. And it was my husband hitching a ride to meet me. Judith, I think we need to know more. This sounds like the opening from a novel and um, <laughs> uh, possibly not a brilliant use of taxpayers' money. But, but there we are. Uh, thank you so much for all your fantastic stories. They've um, kept us uh, happily amused and entertained, and I hope perhaps we have too. So our next podcast will be on the tricky subject of psychogeography and um, so please join us for that meanwhile we love all your thoughts all your uh, responses and your ideas of course for future podcasts you can just tweet them to us at you should have bt or go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and leave an audio message but for now from me simon calder and me mick webb goodbye goodbye mm-hmm.